And good morning, everyone, or good evening, or good afternoon, depending upon where you are on this rotating globe, notwithstanding that we have another human presence in the form of a robot called Perseverance on another rotating globe tonight, which is the focus of the next three hours. You know, it's really interesting. I've been doing this show now since, what, 2015, when Art conned me into doing this? Oh, and then he ducked out, so I can't... uh, call him up and yell at him um tonight is going to be and i say this with no reservations this is going to be an historic show you're going to want to archive this you're going to want to you know get hold of club 19.5 you're going to want to follow what we're doing now very very closely because tonight is the night we get pregnant nasa has found although not telling us yet at the Percy Landing, ancient ruins of intelligent life on Mars. And we're going to show them to you first. And they may catch up, or they may not. Or it may be the Chinese who are in orbit around Mars, even as I speak tonight, who when they land, which is supposed to be sometime in May, they may announce what's down there. But You know, we've got three hours to go through this extraordinary story. As you know, we have the images. We have something called radio with pictures. So before everybody gets kind of comfy in their chairs, let me tell you what to do. You go to our URL, which is theothersideofmidnight.com. No matter how you're listening to the show, on the radio, on the Internet, on your, you know, rabbit ears, on your antennas, you know, whatever's poking up between your ears. However you're listening, you need to get to a computer or on your smartphone go to the other side of midnight.com. What you want to do is click on tonight's banner, seven minutes of terror, the perseverance landing on Mars and much, much more. Click on that banner. That will take you to tonight's guest page and right under it. You'll see a whole bunch of fast links to various items. You want to click on me, Richard, that takes you to my first item. And I want to reassure everybody, particularly those listening in Hawaii, If you were expecting friends or relatives on a plane out of Denver, a 777 that was supposed to leave Denver this afternoon, your friends and folks are perfectly okay. They're all alive. They're all well. They're scared to death, but they survived something extraordinary because as they were leaving Denver this afternoon on this United flight, the right engine did something bizarre. It blew up. And a whole bunch of shrapnel, including a huge cowling, fell onto the ground into a suburb of Denver. And thank God it missed everybody on the ground, including cats and dogs and squirrels. And the pilot radioed a mayday, turned around, and was able to successfully land at Denver International Airport. An extraordinarily close call. Another example of why... We have got to do something in this nation about infrastructure, including aircraft infrastructure. Now, the NTSB is going to do their usual extraordinarily exhaustive and highly professional analysis. We have no idea what happened, but one suspicion could be that something got dropped in the maintenance schedule. Engines on big aircraft do not blow up. In this case, The passengers inside were incredibly lucky because the shrapnel could have gone through the cabin and, you know, enough said about that. 
Instead, it fell, I don't know how many thousand feet. They said they were almost at altitude, which means it was like 30,000 feet. This stuff is coming down. And they, the people on the ground thought it was the plane itself. Fortunately, it was not. So for all those people expecting relatives or friends or whatever, on I don't have the flight number at hand. It might be in that story, which is item number one. Um, everyone is safe. They're coming toward you again on another airplane. They will arrive safely given the extraordinary statistics of American aviation. But <clears throat> everybody missed the big one. Item number two. Uh, this is kind of sad. Uh, Rush Limbaugh, who basically created the current political environment that we are all now living through with Newt Gingrich. Uh, Rush Limbaugh died a couple of days ago at the age of 70 from the cancer. I mean, he was a tremendous fighter. I remember uh, working with Art some years ago when Rush had problems with his hearing and we quietly worked behind the scenes to get him the right people that would give him a, an implant. So, uh, you know, if you can't hear, you can't do radio. So he was able to extend his professional life many, many years, but ultimately the um, cancer caught up to him. And it's, it's, it's a it's very mixed because rush single-handedly totally changed our currently incredibly contentious political environment, but he also was a pioneer and it shows for all other broadcasters, how influential one determined voice can be. So that's why I say it's a kind of a mixed blessing because part of me wishes he was here to see what's about to happen. And uh, part of him, part of me wishes him, you know, bon voyage, uh, like some other people that we have known that have changed history. So Rush Limbaugh, rest in peace. Item number three. You may have noticed in the last few days, the last week or so, that the state of Texas in a catastrophic state. It's a little better now than it was um, you know, a few days ago. But this extraordinary polar vortex, which was the kind of outstanding example of extreme weather sliding south on the jet stream, literally engulfing the whole southern tier of the United States, played particular havoc with the state of Texas. And I mention this tonight because that situation, again, dealing with infrastructure, an infrastructure which is not prepared for what is happening on the planet, um, even as we watch, tomorrow night it's going to be part of an integral discussion of the whole background UFO UAP, whatever they're calling it these days, uh, phenomena and disclosure curve. Bizarrely enough, these two, as you will find out tomorrow night, are connected. So that's a heads up. Item number four, uh, this is a very, very important date. It just happened to fall that way. Uh, the Perseverance landing on Mars was Thursday, which is the 18th. Our show, of course, is on Saturday, which is the 20th. Tonight happens to be the 59th anniversary of the flight of John Glenn, the first human orbital flight for NASA in Friendship 7. And uh, again, it's too bad that uh, John's not still around to see what's about to happen, because, of course, that was the precursor to an extraordinary series of 
NASA missions uh, in Gemini and then Apollo and looking forward, Artemis now, maybe in the next few years, and beyond glimmering on the spatial horizon, Mars itself. Without John's historic flight, successful historic flight, none of that may have taken place on the timetable to meet Kennedy's uh, deadline for 10 years to reach the surface of the moon. So John, wherever you are, wave because you're not going to believe what's going to happen on this show tonight. Item number five, one of the key people spearheading the efforts to get humans to Mars is someone with whom this audience is very well aware, a guy named Elon Musk. Elon Musk is very well anchored now in history, creating the Falcon 9, the world's first reusable space transportation system. He's building the Starship, which is going to take tourists around the moon, ultimately possibly land on the moon, because he has a contract with the Artemis program to build the descent stage for the official um, Project Artemis vis-a-vis NASA. He also has his own site set on Mars and is promising in the next few years, maybe half a decade, maybe three quarters, maybe 10 years, there will be a lot of tourists or colonists in a spaceship designed by Elon Musk and his team going to the planet Mars. So he's become a kind of an icon, kind of a pop icon. And so whenever Musk appears in media, everybody kind of, you know, it's the old uh, E.F. Hutton commercial. When E.F. Hutton speaks, everybody listens. Those were kind of cool commercials. Anyway, um, Elon Musk has been on Rogan's show, uh, Joe Rogan. We're going to tell you who Joe Rogan is in a minute. And his latest appearance was last week. Well, what's different is his previous appearance. Everybody talked about the fact that he and Rogan were smoking joints on the air. Oh, my God. Did the Security and Exchange Commission melt down with that one? And he must have foreseen that that would happen. So, you know, you have to ask when you're dealing with a super genius like Musk, what is the 3D or 4D chess move that he, in fact, is orchestrating? It, you know, there's stuff that you see, there's stuff you don't see, there's stuff behind the scenes. How did smoking, you know, toking up on the air um, advance his mission, which is he's, he's managing four major, major, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars uh, corporations, you know, SpaceX and Tesla and the Boring Company. And, you know, the, there are others. And I'm sure I'm forgetting something. Point is, why does the CEO of a company like that or companies, why does he take these risks? What's the upside? What's the hidden agenda? Well, Musk appeared again last week on the Joe Rogan show. And this time they were kind of playing it safe. Instead of uh, toking, they were were drinking. They apparently had brandy uh, snifters, big ones. And as the program is three and a half hours, it's available Uh, on the internet. I think it's available on Spotify. We have a couple of clips tonight that we're going to uh, uh, play for you. And with that, I'm going to segue to my first guest because he's actually had a chance to listen. And that is um, our representative 
kind of dipping his toe in and out of Hollywood, Andrew Curry. Andrew Curry began his artistic career as a community public artist working with neighborhood groups. He has now evolved into a graphic designer and illustrator working for large and small Canadian companies and American companies. And he does storyboards for all kinds of commercials. He's worked on the latest Super Bowl. Um, he is kind of our connection to current media. Why don't you start, Andrew, by telling us who the heck is Joe Rogan and why should we care? Yes, thank you. Thank you, Richard, and hello to your audience again. Thank you so much for having me tonight and, and all of us here on, like you say, a very historic eve or a series of eves, I think. Now, listen, Joe Rogan, all of this came about because of um, someone who couldn't be here from our imaging team which is Tim Saunders. He just couldn't make it tonight, which uh, we, we miss him. But he's the one that sort of alerted us to this interview um, done by Joe Rogan. And let me give you a little outline of who Joe Rogan is. So he's, he's an American comedian. His full name is Joseph James Rogan. He's a podcast host, of course. That's what we're talking about. And he's a mixed martial arts color commentator. He used to actually be involved in... Um, I believe Taekwondo, Richard, in his, in his young days, he was apparently very, very good until he got some head injuries and decided to retire early. But anyways, he has also worked as a television host and an actor, and he first began his career in comedy in the Boston area in 1988. So his sort of acting, performing career has gone back a long, long way. He then relocated to Los Angeles in 94, and recently he's moved to Texas. I believe that's why... He and Musk weren't, weren't able to <laughs> toke up on air the other day because it's not legal in Texas at this point. But anyways, listen, um, interesting, interesting. So I did go through this interview, and it is indeed available on Spotify, still is. There were some rumors that it's been taken down. Well, at least not here in Canada, or at least in my province of British Columbia, it has not. It's about three hours and 24 minutes. And the reason why people are wondering, well, what are we talking about? Well, it's because you were referenced and you were what? highlighted. What? Yes. yes You're yes, kidding. Yes. You know, you were. And I, I, before I get into that, let me give you a couple of statistics of why this is important. Okay. In December 2009, Rogan launched a free podcast with his friend and fellow comedian, Brian Redband. Uh, the first episode was recorded on December the 24th and was initially a live weekly broadcast on us stream with Rogan and Red Band sitting in front of laptops just BSing. And that's not quite the word that's here. <laughs> uh, by, by August 2010, the podcast was named The Joe Rogan Experience and entered the list of top 100 podcasts on iTunes. And in 2011, was picked up by Sirius XM Satellite Radio. This is the description. The podcast features an array of guests who discuss current events, politics, philosophy, comedy, hobbies, hobby, hobbies, hobbies, and numerous other topics. So, and that's pretty long format discussion, Richard, uh, interspersed with some commercials on Spotify. Uh, but really, it's actually long conversation. It's pretty good. In January 2015, the podcast was downloaded, listen to this, over 11 million times. By October that year, the podcast was downloaded 16 million times each month oh my god huh, yeah. huh. 
Listen, Richard, there are apparently by the end of January 2021 in the world, there are at least 1,750,000 podcasts out there and available. And there are, as of, again, the end of January 2021, 43 million episodes, like overall. Oh, my this is talk over. about a needle in a haystack. Yeah, yeah. So he is right up there. Now, listen to this. On May the 19th, 2020, Rogan announced that he had signed a multi-year licensing deal with Spotify worth an estimated $100 million. What? 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 $100 million. Good making it one of the largest, yep, largest licensing agreements in the podcast business. So everybody out there, <laughs> if you if you can talk well or you're half intelligent, go make yourself a podcast because you might be able to make some money on this. But yeah, it's amazing. Um, now listen, Rogan is a different dude. He's he's very you know relaxed and chill, but he's a promoter, and you can tell like this guy knows how to present. And so, Richard, I listened to the whole episode. It took a while. It's like I say, it's three and a half hours. And Musk is not exactly the most, uh, you know, comfortable guy being interviewed. When he was drinking a little bit, he got a little bit more relaxed. But um, unless he's talking about physics, he's just not the most, you know, open guy. And, you know, there was a little bit of awkwardness now and then. But these guys know each other. And, and as I say, as they sat and had had Well, he's been together. on the Rogan show, what, five times? Yeah. I believe, yeah, a number of times before. So there, there's a familiarity there. So they're sitting in, in the studio. We actually have um, um, some clips that, that I clipped for you or for, for, for the audience, actually, and for everybody of these moments. And I, let me just set it up for you. So basically, they started talking about Mars and, you know, because of the, the, the three missions going on, and in particular, pers- NASA's Perseverance. And... Rogan got asking about Mars and, hey, you know, is it true that there was a previously, you know, three and a half billion years ago or whatever? Well, Rogan didn't say that, but, uh, you know, an atmosphere and shallow ocean, et cetera, et cetera. And he went on like this. And then he segued into talking about that. You remember that? Uh, You know, I remember there was a guy, uh, you know, way back on the coast to coast with uh, Art Bell, really you know, crazy stuff, man. Oh, and, I tell you what, why don't we play the actual yeah. clip? And then, and then we can pick it up on the other side. Okay. Yeah, provided my computer is going to work. The query parameter height was misboard. Oh, give me a break. Okay. <laughs> of course. I can't play it. So let me try another, another thing here. Here we are. Here we are. Here it goes. Here's Rogan and Musk. And me? It, it once had a dense, uh, quite a dense atmosphere, and it would have it seemed most likely to have had oceans and lakes. Um, now they're frozen and covered in dust. And the um, that orange color you see is iron oxide. So there's, there's quite a lot of iron, just rust. You know, for a while there, they thought, well, maybe Mars was like some ancient civilization. You know, um, Do you remember the face on Mars that they? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, there's a guy that was completely, he was fascinating. Um, Richard Hoagland, is that his name? See if that's the guy's name, but he's, with all due respect, out of his fucking mind. Sure. And he was making all these incredible, incredibly bizarre connections, like measurements 
from this rock to that rock and using all this mathematics to prove that this was that this symmetry, symmetry was impossible in nature. This is all created by sure. civilization. That this face was like some sort of a you know uh, ancient uh, shrine to whatever lived there before. There it is, Monuments to Mars. Richard Hoagland, that's the guy's name. I used to listen to him on Art Bell. <laughs> it's crazy. It was just. I, I mean, I don't know if he's schizophrenic. Maybe he's maybe he's just smarter than all of us. But uh, well, Jamie's shaking his head. I think aspirationally, uh, you want to believe things proportionate to the evidence, not inversely proportionate to the evidence. He, well, he was definitely inversely proportionate <laughs> to the evidence. Yeah. It was very strange. <laughs> it was one of those ones where I had to stop listening because I, I felt like I was going crazy too. Yeah. He was uh, so invested in this idea. Again, maybe he's right. Hmm? I don't think so. No, I doubt it. Well, then they they <laughs> had subsequent voyages where they made high-resolution scans of the exact same area that looked very different without the same shadows. It just looked like yeah. rocks. Yeah, Mars kind of looks like, uh, I don't know, like some Arizona desert or something like that. Well, let's see. What should I say? <laughs> There's a lot wrong, but remember what Barnum used to say? I don't care what you say about me as long as you spell my name right. So how many people did Rogan and Musk expose the monuments of Mars, a city on the edge of forever to worldwide? Like maybe almost 20 million this month alone? Yeah, possibly, Richard. Hmm. Now let, let me um, add a couple more pieces. I know we're fast approaching no, the no, break. No, no, no. We, we have plenty of time. We have three hours. Come yeah. on. Come on. Well, to give people even more Besides, information. Besides, they're talking about me. Come yeah, on, exactly. Andrew. Ah. And, and if people go to the other side of midnight and go to the show page, I mean, we can get there. It's just, there's a screenshot of how this studio is set up. And I know Ron mentioned, Ron, who's on the panel tonight, said it looks like a spaceship. Yeah, it's, 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 it's your first item. Rogan in conversation, Musk video regarding Hoagland. And right there is a screen capture, which Kinthea just put up. He literally, the producer in the control room, supered on the Rogan studio the cover of the Monuments of Mars, and this does not happen in television by accident. So what is Rogan's real agenda? Exactly. And let me – so let me add a few more pieces here. They went on to discuss – Amuamua. Now, Rogan totally screwed up the name. He, uh, the Hawaiian, he was messing it up completely. And immediately, Musk, in his nervous laugh, began to go, "Oh, you mean your mama comet, your mama asteroid?" And then and Rogan was like, "Huh? Oh, I see. You're making a joke." Like he didn't say that, but it, it, he was basically downplaying the whole story. R- R- Richard, you want to give the viewer, or the listeners again a, a, an idea what Amuamua is about, please? Well, in 2017, in October, on the 19th, a NASA telescope in Hawaii photographed this object coming in. Uh, and when they did the uh, parallax calculations, orbit calculations, it turned out to be an interstellar interloper, the first one ever detected in the modern history of humankind. And, uh, you know, they, they caught it on the way out because it was hyperbolic, meaning it was entering the system, leaving the solar system never to return. And they calculated the orbit as infinite, in other words, hyperbolic. And the uh, observations only caught it as it was leaving. And then only as a tiny, tiny point of light that was 
flickering every 10 hours uh, by a factor of 10 as this object apparently tumbled or rotated, whatever. So all the science was done by telescopes all over the world, you know, dedicated to looking suddenly with no notice at this little point of light streaking out of the solar system, winking at us every 10 hours. And all the models, all the reconstructions, including by the chief astronomer and head of the Harvard College Observatory and Astronomy Department, Dr. Abby Loeb, who has now written a book on Oumuamua, I'll get to what the name means in a moment, claiming that it is the first obvious interstellar artificial artifact, a ship, a spacecraft, something built by intelligent entities in some other star system, and the chief astronomer guy on planet Earth is saying this publicly, openly, and has written an entire book about it. And what's really weird, when NASA decided to quickly name this object, they went to the Hawaiian Dictionary, of course, because it was discovered in Hawaii, and they chose the name Amuamua, which NASA said means scout. Well, Keith Laney, one of our imaging team who can't be with us tonight, he actually went and you know, original sources, real science, real digging. And he found that NASA was, <clears throat> again, kind of shading the truth because Oumuamua in Hawaiian doesn't mean just scout. It means first scout of a war party. So NASA projecting on a twinkling point of light, artificiality, call this thing a scout for a battle fleet somewhere behind and i'm stunned that elon musk who has his fingers in so many pies would work so hard to downplay the significance of the first interstellar object ever detected by modern science which a mainstream leading academic on the planet has said with a lot of interesting evidence is artificial what is elon playing what is his real Exactly, Richard. And here's the thing. From my memory of the show, nothing was flashed up on the television screen or the video monitor that was up on the back wall, which you could see. And referencing you, referencing Roddenberry, you know, what is it again? If it's <laughs> not on TV. <laughs> yes. Roddenberry's rule. If it's real, it will be on television. So since Rogan is doing television as opposed to radio... He put me on that show for a reason, yeah. because he was ready. The control room actually had a graphic showing the cover of the Monuments of Mars, a city on the edge of forever. I think later in the same interview, uh, Rogan asked him about the Nimitz, the Tic Tacs and all that. That's right. And That's the control right. room had no video. And Rogan is trying to describe to Musk, who claims he'd never heard of all this. Yes. At what point does credulity simply break? under its own weight. Yeah. Well, it was extraordinary. And like I said, from my memory, I mean, you know, I was listening more than watching, but when you came up, of course I was, you know, intensely paying attention, but I don't have a memory of, yeah, anything being brought up on screen about the Nimitz and about the Tic Tac. And he didn't even know. He goes, what's that? And then he, <laughs> and then Rogan went through the whole 2017, uh, you know, article that came out talking about unidentified, aerial phenomenon and then the recent tic-tac videos and he goes oh okay really and then um the only other image that i remember coming up was an image of elon musk's roadster 
which he immediately said, you know, they, they, you know, his producer brought it up on the screen and he said, yeah, it looks fake, doesn't it? But <laughs> I think what he meant is that it's so bright on it that it just looks so crisp. But he had a camera. He goes, yeah, my, my director of photography did a really good job. It was very odd, Richard. Mm. But what I'm saying is that, that he had elevated. Okay, hang on, hang on. We're at the yeah. uh, bottom of the hour. We'll get back to this in a moment, but it's just too cute for school. Why is Elon Musk talking about Richard C. Hoagland? Giggling. Agreeing with Rogan that, you know, I got to be schizophrenic. He couldn't listen to me because it's driving him nuts. Well, Joe, if you're listening to tonight's program, it will complete the job because we have, in fact, discovered, confirmed, intelligent life a long time ago on Mars. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland, and we shall return. I'm not the man that you think I am at home. No, 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 no. I'm a rock 
everyone to the other side of midnight for Saturday night February 20th the 59th anniversary of John Glenn and Andrew you have the floor again yeah uh, so on it goes 
Musk, uh, you know, just doesn't know anything about the Tic Tac videos or the Pentagon releasing documents that and video that show that, hey, you know, we're dealing with something that's unusual in the skies. And he calls a muamua, who's your mama, asteroid or comet or word, whatever he was saying, and just dismissing all this stuff. Nothing comes up on screen. The only thing that comes up on screen to sort of match your book, which was interesting, by the way, um, one of the things, Richard, we missed it at the end there that um, Rogan said at the end is that he turned to the camera and said, maybe Richard Hoagland's smarter than all of us. So, you know, despite him using some flagrant language and some silly, you know, you know, comments, that's his style. You know, I, I, I sort of spoke to you about this before that, you know, I don't particularly like some of the things that he says, and it's a little rough, uh, but it's very interesting, again, how he highlighted it. And he seemed to know the details of the re-imaging of the face. I just realized that when we were listening, how he intricately knew it. In other words, he did his homework, um, Richard, before the show. Oh, nothing was it. accidental. Come on, nothing yeah. in television is accidental. FDR <clears throat> said decades and decades ago that in politics, nothing is coincidence. So this was planned. The yes. question is, why was it planned? Exactly. Well, let's let's go on. So your book and your, I think, believe the website was sort of brought up on the screen, you know, highlighted like his roadster with, you know, there's a camera. He was describing how there's a camera mounted. Yeah, on, uh, on let a, me interrupt, Andrew. If people click yeah. on the link which says Rogan in conversation, Musk, there probably yep. should be a with in there. Uh, that yep. one works. The image itself, <clears throat> can he has to fix a bug in the linkage and then that okay. will work and it will take you to that sound file and uh or, or video i think it's video and so you can actually watch this for yourself or listen yeah yeah and so um one of the things that uh elon also said was that his roadster i i need you well we probably need you to describe what the roadster is doing right now what that's all about because he mentioned it's close to mars <laughs> this is one thing he said so can you describe to the audience about well, the roadster? well you know yeah. musk is this incredible rocket factory you know, where NASA takes 10 or 20 years to build a mission, you know, Musk does it in like five. So he developed a super booster called a Falcon Heavy, which is basically three uh, Falcon 9s strapped together with, you know, whatever. And he's able to launch a lot of payloads, huge amounts, bigger than anything in the Air Force or the NASA uh, arsenal up until the uh, SLS system, the huge kind of Saturn V clone there NASA's now building comes online. Anyway, he was going to do a test launch. And again, because he's this incredible showman, instead of putting concrete in the nose cone to simulate the mass of something he'd put into space, he decided to take his little red Tesla Roadster and launch it into solar orbit. And I mean, people went bonkers. You know, the, the Musk fans cheering the Musk haters, you know, like the Hoagland haters, oh my God, he's nuts, he's nuts. Schizophrenic was the term, that term was used, wasn't it? Okay. Um, oh, well, compared to when they tried to kill me for this stuff, that's kind of pale. Anyway, so Musk does this. He launches his own car into solar orbit, not to Mars, but into a long elliptical orbit, which will cross Mars every couple of years. And I think a few years ago, a couple of years ago, it passed within like 5 million miles. The calculations are that it will not impact Mars or Earth for the next several million, by which time someone, probably Musk, will go out, retrieve it, 
and it will wind up in the Smithsonian. Anyway, that's the backstory on the roadster. Yeah, and Richard, so in a way, he's put a hood ornament <laughs> on his rocket, which is a car. Yeah. I mean, it's ama- it's amazing. And can you describe what's in the glove compartment? Oh, because yes, yes, yes. going to yes. lead to our next clip. He, 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 he put this uh, robot, this wearing a spacesuit, you know, the ultimate SpaceX spacesuit that the astronauts now are wearing going to and from the space station. And then he had some GoPros scattered around the uh, vehicle so that when – it was popped out of the nose cone and left in orbit. You got these amazing video images. We actually put one up on our site where you could click on it and see live downlink video of the roadster and the sun going by as it rotated slowly and the earth going by and getting smaller and smaller and smaller. I mean, very dramatic. Musk is a showman. In the glove compartment of the roadster, he carefully, from another friend of ours, Uh, who I've had on the show. Uh, His first name is Nova. He actually sold Musk on the idea of taking a set of quartz discs, which will last forever, which were etched with Isaac Asimov's three-volume Foundation Trilogy, which, as I've said on the air many times, I think is a kind of a CAT scan of our ancient history on Earth and the solar system, and galactic federations and what humans do and all this, it's kind of like the compendium of the past and the future, which we're headed to at Warp 9. As they say in the movie Casablanca, of all the gin joints in all the world, Musk puts Isaac Asimov's Foundation Trilogy in the glove compartment of the Roadster, which will last forever, as long as the Roadster is orbiting the sun. Even after the Roadster is dust, those little glass discs will survive for maybe a billion years or more. So Isaac Asimov, who used to think of himself as my surrogate father, that's a long story when I was at the museum in Springfield for another time, also was a hero of Elon Musk, according to Musk's own words. And so there's multiple nexus points between Elon and me. I wonder if I can get him on the show now and item number two everyone anywhere in the world who wants to see this happen if you send a note to rogan tell him you know since you dissed hoagland it's only fair you have the schizophrenic on your show to describe what he has found i would encourage it i would encourage it because as well hey richard as will said Rogan is huge, and as we outlined tonight, he's monstrous, and podcasts are amazing because you can take them anywhere with you. Now, listen, um, on that note, we have a second clip, but before I, I sort of outline, I want to add one more piece in here because I know we got to move on. But his wife, her name is um, Claire Elise Boucher. She's from my, my city, Vancouver. Now, she goes by the name Grimes. Now, she's a, a musician singer songwriter record producer music video director and she's also a visual artist she's actually pretty good and she's married to uh musk she has a very interesting background by the way one of her parents was in international banking and i believe the other one's a scientist that she was raised by her grandmother anyhow it's a whole long story it's very interesting chris Knowles knows all about her she's kind of one of these sirens you know that is connected to this very strange esoteric system that we see unfolding all the time 
but listen, she came on social media with another with, with an American rap artist named Lil Uzi Vert, who I have actually um, shown some of his work on this show because he sings all about visiting aliens or gods that come down and you know, the whole cargo cult concept. Well, these two had a little back and forth back on February the 8th, just a few days ago, announcing their plans to simultaneously get brain chips implanted Oh, that's together. right. Musk is working on the Neuralink. Yes, yes. And they both were talking about getting it together. This is his wife. Right now it's being used – well, again, Richard, do you want to give a quick um, – a quick note about what the Neuralink is. Well, he basically wants to wire the brain so that for paraplegics and people yes. with incredible handicaps, instead of using a little pencil to tap keyboards or blinking your eyes, you'll just think at the computer and it will pick up every signal and properly execute commands. And it will give extraordinary freedom and communication to a whole subgroup of, you know, people who have suffered egregiously It'll bring them back into connection with humanity and with people they love, et cetera. So it's an incredibly positive aspect. It also has some really curious and negative downsides. Yeah, and one of the ex- part of their exchange was Grimes, his wife, said, hey, we're going to be able to communicate with the gods. You're kidding. That's what she tweeted out. So talk about schizophrenia. Anyways, moving on from that, this is the woman he's married to. So, hey, there's a lot going on here. Now, a little bit after the clip of, you know, talking about you, Richard Hoagland, in the solar system with, you know, Mars can't have anything. No, 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 no. It's just dust and it's, you know, super ancient and it's, no, no, it's dead. It's dead. Well, a little later on, I believe they started to talk about you know, traveling to other solar systems. And at that point, a very interesting line of discussion came up. And I lined up another um, clip for you. It's very short. It's another couple minutes. And you'll, and I call it the planetary ghost towns because that's, <laughs> yes, Richard. And they literally talk oh. about when they can visit other, because, you know, um, uh, Rogan says, "Hey, when do you think we'll be able to go to other star systems?" And they were discussing this. You know, this is this is pot. These are possibilities, etc. And when we do, you know what? We might run across ancient, old civilizations on planets. It'll, it's like it's like ghost town. Oh, Planetary- what a concept! <laughs> wow. Okay, here's here's the planetary ghost towns. I think that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, why not? It's also it's pretty fun and exciting. And even if you don't go, you can just watch it on TV. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, you know, like, you know, attendance is mandatory here, uh, you know, and uh, it'll be dangerous and people might die. Well, for sure they're going to die. Yeah. 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 Like, some some people think that uh, the idea is like, oh, Mars is going to be an escape hatch, some luxury resort for rich people. I'm like, no, it's like high probability of death relative to Earth, Uh, long journey, food's probably not great, Uh, a lot of hard work. No sunlight. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's like it sounds like you know Shackleton's ad for the Antarctic, where it's right. like it's like it's dangerous, it's a long journey, the food's bad, you know, might not make it back, but if you do, it'll be glorious. Yeah, it's interesting how much people adapt when they're faced with a real problem. 
like if we knew that we only had a certain amount of time left, like we knew an asteroid was absolutely headed our way and it was going to kill most of the people on this planet, you would see people scrambling for something like that. Yeah. Like, look, uh, I moved to Texas just to get the fuck out of LA because I felt like that was dying. I was like, we got to get out of here. And I never thought I was going to move out of LA. Yeah. It happened very quickly, but people adapt when they realize that this is, you have to do something. Yeah. If we had to do something, we had to go to Mars and had to set up shop there. Yeah, I think it's important for the future of humanity and consciousness. And like I said, we already get past the great culture. We're, you know, we're, it might turn out that when we're when we got there exploring the galaxy, we might find a whole bunch of dead one planet civilizations. Mm. You know, and they were just they just never made it to the next planet. And ghost then, towns. Yeah, strange ghost towns of like, you know, it's like if you, you know, we're, we're like we'll go through the archaeological ruins of like, like ancient Babylonians and Sumerians and like, you know, and like trying to decode their writing, like what the hell linear yeah. be and, and hieroglyphics. And, Isn't that a know. problem with us now that everything has become digital, everything's stored on microchips and hard drives and, and if something catastrophic happened yeah, and you don't have the ability to access all that stuff, we're kind of starting from scratch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's kind of problematic that things aren't chilled in stone. You know, they used to yeah. be chilled in stone. And like, okay, now, you know, it's kind of a pain in the ass to destroy stone, and the stone lasts a long time. Yeah. So we still have a lot of writing from ancient Romans because they chose a lot, a yeah. lot of stuff in stone. Or the Egyptians. Or the Egyptians, yeah, exactly. Man, the, the Egyptians really went to town with the hieroglyphics. Uh, even the Sumerians, you know, the cuneiforms yeah. carved in the clay tablets. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but us? We kind of wish they'd said more. Yeah, exactly. Like right. us, and like, our stuff is not going to last for a long time. Well, Andrew, would we call this if you were a psych? Actually, you do have a psych degree, don't you? No, 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 I don't. No, I have an, I, I'm a, a, a master's diploma in art therapy. Okay. I'm not allowed to call it a degree because, uh, anyway, it's politics. My but, point is, yeah. that seems to me to be an incredibly classic example of what they would call displacement. Yeah. Or... Quoting the Red Queen, jam yesterday, jam tomorrow, but never ancient ruins in our own solar system, but safely right. light years away. So NASA and the government and the feds and the deep state or whoever is preventing him from taking any of this on the air seriously will not come after him. This is nuts. This yeah. is just nuts. Talk about schizophrenia. Well, one more piece, Richard, and I, I – listen – no, this is important because it's context. Yeah. It's not my ego, but remember yeah. Roddenberry's rule. The name of the game to get ruins taken seriously is to be mentioned by people who are major icons in the media universe. Well, lo and behold, right at this moment, just days before Percy lands, and we're going to show you the stunning ruins that they photographed and sent to Earth, Elon Musk, the richest man on the planet, trying to drag us kicking and screaming to land on Mars, who apparently doesn't know anything about what Mars really is, has a discussion with a guy who says, hey, who can tell you something you don't know? Yeah. It's nuts. Uh, it's so nuts. It is. And, and listen, what, you know, coming back to the neural link, because a number of times they sort of moved into – what is the meaning of life? Now, Rogan never took advantage of this. Because oh, one of the, what a question. Yes. Wow. One of the, yeah. And one of the things that 
Musk was alluding to was that, well, this is my interpretation, is that he was basically saying we need to become enhanced so that we can begin to formulate the right kind of questions about what the meaning of life truly <laughs> is. Yeah, I mean, holy smokes. Put that in context with his wife, Grimes, talking about Neuralink and discussing having or having a dialogue with the gods. And the gods? I mean, come on, boys and girls. Are we deaf, dumb, blind? And do we believe every surface thing said in media? No. There are levels and layers, and this is definitely 3D chess. And we're at the end game. The end game. Okay, so let's go. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to some other stuff that you've got for us, but let's go back to my section. Remember how you get there? You click on the Richard link right under the banner for tonight's show, Seven Minutes of Terror, which is how NASA describes the entry of spacecraft into the Martian atmosphere, and I've done this for decades. You want to click on my links. You want to go down to number six. We have posted tonight the Mars 2020 Perseverance Landing Press Kit. Everything you want to know, and there's a there needs to be a space between E and L for you know perseverance and landing. Everything you want to know is available there about the mission and all the stuff they are officially planning. Then what you want to do is you want to click on number seven because this is the first image. Click on it; it gets much bigger. Oh, that's gorgeous! Wow. And this is the first color hazard camera image downlink to Earth uh, from the Percy spacecraft. We're going to call her Percy for quite a while now, uh, soon after touchdown. And it's stunning in its – well, Andrew, as the artist here, why don't you tell us why I'm really jazzed by this first image? Well, two things. Well, I, I called this – you've created an ambiance, like a landscape ambiance through this, or this is what we're seeing. I mean, the the first thing that hits me is the sky. It's blue. Yes. Yes. It's not salmon. It's not red. It's not blood red. It's not pink. It's not chartreuse. It's blue. Yeah. I mean, in yeah, 76, it's... NASA started screwing with the sky color of Mars per order of the NASA administrator, James Fletcher. I was a JPL. I watched it all unfold. I describe it in uh, oh, a very famous book that a guy named Rogan just mentioned. The Monuments of Mars, blow by blow, after all these decades, NASA has finally put out a picture of Mars showing Mars as it really is. Yeah, and you can see the atmosphere as we move to the left of the image over the horizon. And which camera is this again? These are the Hazcams, the hazard cameras under the deck. There are two of them. Left and right. This is one. I think it's the one on the left. You can see the, you know, equipment hanging on the on the left yeah. there. I think that's part of the sample arm. Um, so they only, you know, they're like putting their toe in the water. Just a yes. little bit of tease, tease, tease. The next few days are going to be stunning because this afternoon on Earth, real time, they raise the real camera's mast called the mast cam, which has not only uh, incredibly better cameras. Uh, 1,600 lines from left to right. It also has zoom lenses, which they're claiming from a distance of a football field could look down the field 300 feet and could see a fly sitting in the end zone. 
a fly. What we're going to talk about in a minute is kind of less than a quarter of a mile away. Can you imagine just sitting there what this mass cam instrumentation could do on Perseverance between now and Monday when they take their first ban? Is that when NASA is going to have to bite the bullet and announce what they've landed right next to? Stay tuned. Go ahead. Yeah, and Richard, don't forget the helicopter. Can you describe that? Oh, yes. Underneath the belly of Perseverance, there's a little gadget, four pounds, called Ingenuity, which is a helicopter. Their plan is the next few solves, about 60 Martian days. They plan to drive to where they're calling, you know, a flat area called the helipad, <laughs> which they haven't picked out yet. And then they will drop the, uh, actually carefully deposit, Ingenuity on the surface on its four very bouncy little legs. They will then back the rover off about 100 feet, and they will, using remote commands from the rover to the computer in the helicopter, they will spin up the rotors to something like 3,000 RPM because of the incredibly thin atmosphere of Mars. At the surface, it's equivalent to about 100,000 feet on Earth, and we will get our first images and video from a active helicopter flying on Mars. Now think of this. They could take that helicopter and they could fly it right to the ruins and take aerial slash drone imagery and video close up of these stunning, startling geometric things that are visible when you simply magnify the image that's currently up on the screen, which on cue we're going to do, because you're going to go now back to the uh, guest page, go to number eight in my items, click on that. This is a comparison side by side of a clip, an enlargement of a section of that Hascam uh, panorama uh, on the far left. And then the image on the right is a uh, enhanced version of the same image. And if you look even casually, you'll see a whole bunch of lines and shadows and 3D geometry, which in fact are yeah, geometry does not, does not do this at all, at all. Hey, we are um, running out of time here. We're at the break. So let's, let's pause and we shall return as soon as We've reached the top of the hour. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return. Thanks for listening to this exciting first hour. Now, the second and third hour of the show is available to Club 19.5 members only. Please support the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 and join our very interesting community. To do that, please visit the website, theothersideofmidnight.com, and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the left-hand column. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350-plus shows that we have done. Now, recent Club 19.5 member archive recording have the commercials removed and the sound quality has been enhanced. 
You'll also receive a dedicated private podcast feed that contains these enhanced show recordings. And you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the archive if you prefer. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll also be the first to preview our new videos and reports. We'll be adding exclusive new features to Club 19.5 as we go forward. And boy, have we got some amazing things to tell you about in the coming weeks. So please support the show and don't miss all the exciting new things we have planned. I want to thank all our Club 19.5 members because without your guys' support, this show would not be on the air. Please help us continue growing the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 today. And when I say we really need you, we really need you. Over and out.